It's Belgium. It's Croatia. It's Morocco. And it's Canada. It's Group F. And it's the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. It's the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada. Hello and welcome to the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada. I'm Kevin. And I'm Connor. Uh, we are doing a group-by-group group preview in this series. And this podcast is looking at Group F, made up of Belgium, Croatia, Morocco, and Canada. Right, and this series will be uh, followed shortly by our next one, which is a team-by-team look at their players. Uh, And then shortly before the Cup, we'll be doing another podcast series with final updates on both the teams and the players. So this series features a deep dive into the World Cup finals history of the teams. Uh, For a deeper dive still, you can check out any of the nine podcast series we've done so far. And we'll talk more about that at the end of the podcast. Right, so now let's look at the three sections that we'll cover in this podcast. So with part one, we begin with a look at who is in the group, uh, which pot they came from, their colors and nicknames, and some geographical information about each country, uh, comparing how big each country is in relation to the others in the group. Right, and part two is the longest section. That's a team-by-team overview, beginning with a quick review of their participation and major achievements, uh, an overview of their World Cup and Regional Cup history, and as promised, a deep dive into their World Cup's finals history. Uh, And after that, we'll give particular attention to their recent tournaments and games. And then part three, we end with a summary of each team and a sense of their current form as we lead into a comparison of the teams through their FIFA and ELO rankings, head-to-head meetings, and the odds on their success. And that will launch us into a discussion of their prospects and our predictions. Right. And at the end, uh, we will again provide our address and the links so that those who want to delve into more history on the teams uh, can check previous uh, podcasts. There is, by the way, a YouTube version of this and a podcast version. They're the same broadcast, but the YouTube version has simple graphics to follow uh, while one listens along. Uh, Those can also be found in the show notes. All right, Connor, I am wearing an appropriate shirt today. I am wearing a Canada shirt. Well, me too. Um, (laughs) There's no hiding our biases on this one. Uh, We're going hard for Canada in this group. Yeah, that's right. But we'll try to be objective about each of the teams and not uh, let ourselves get carried away. Absolutely. Okay, well, part one begins with an overview of each, and we're going to start just with uh, what pot each team comes from. All right, so beginning with Belgium, they're the pot one team, and they are actually were ranked second in the world at the time of this draw, so they're right from the very top of of pot one. And their nickname uh, is the Red Devils, and they wear uh, a red shirt, usually with a bit of black and yellow on it. Right. Okay. Uh, Pot two is Croatia. Croatia, yes. They come from pot two, and actually from the very bottom of pot two, uh, being the 16th ranked team in the world at the time of the draw. Um, They have a couple nicknames, which mean um, the checkered ones or the blazers. Um, But, uh, yeah, and their shirt is... of course one of the most recognizable uh in world soccer the red and white checkers 
That's right. Okay, on to pot three. Pot three is Morocco. Yeah, Morocco come from the middle of pot three. Um, their nickname is the Atlas Lions, uh, named after the Atlas Mountains, um, and their colors are red and green. Okay, and uh, pot four is? Canada. Um, Canada actually near the top of pot four, um, ranked 38th at the time of the draw. Um, their nickname, they have a few, uh, the Canucks, uh, Les Rouges, the Maple Leafs, um, and they wear red, the same red jerseys that uh, Kevin and I are wearing. That's right, okay. Uh, well, we're going to move on to a little bit of geographical information about each country, just to familiarize ourselves. And again, going back to Belgium. Right, so Belgium's a, a small country uh, in Northwest Europe. Um, it's actually the third smallest country uh, in terms of area at these finals, just 30,000 square kilometers. And a population of 11.7 million uh, has them ranked 23rd out of 32 countries. Okay, let's take a look at Croatia. Right, Croatia, um, another relatively small country, um, kind of in South Central Europe, um, the 25th largest uh, out of the 32 teams. Um, it's about roughly the, double the size of Belgium at 56,000 square kilometers, um, but one of the smallest populations, fourth smallest in fact, at just 3.9 million people. Okay, uh, next is Morocco. Right. Uh, Morocco is quite a large uh, country, um, relatively, I guess, um, in Northwest Africa. Um, they rank 12th overall of the 32 countries at uh, just about 450,000 uh, square kilometers. Um, and their population is 14th. So just on the upper, upper half of all countries at 37 million people. All right. And finally, Canada. Where is Canada? Right. Uh, right where we are, um, <laughs> the top of North America, um, the largest country competing in this finals, of course, the second largest country in the world at almost uh, 10 million square kilometers, um, and a population of 39 million people uh, has them ranked 12th um, among all countries. All right, for you YouTube people, I'm hovering the arrow over where Connor and I are right now. <laughs> well, I'm glad to see that we come first in something already, Connor. That's right. That's a great sign. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Connor has thrown out a few numbers. Let's look at those in comparison to each other. Yeah. So focusing on population, um, the, the Canada is actually the largest country in terms of population um, at 39 million people, um, just edging Morocco, which is 37 million. Um, and then uh, Belgium is 11.7 million. And Croatia near the bottom at uh, 3.9 million people, one of the smaller countries competing here. Um, and then in terms of size, Belgium and Croatia are quite small countries. Morocco kind of middle-sized among World Cup countries and Canada the largest. Right. All right. Well, that moves us on to part two of the podcast. And uh, we start with Belgium. Uh, and let's begin with the uh, participation and achievements. So their first game was in 1904. And in terms of uh, uh, tournaments, they are among the most senior of teams, having been one of the four European teams to travel to Uruguay for the first World Cup. They've entered every World Cup except for 1950 uh, when they withdrew. And they didn't enter the first Euro Cup in 1960, but have participated every time since. 
Peculiarly, uh, when Belgium have done well in World Cup play, they have not in the Euro Cup. And the reverse is also true, uh, until recently at least. Uh, generally, their record is weaker in the Euro Cup, uh, though their best results in the 1970s, uh, third in 1972 and second in 1980, were not matched in World Cup play, where reaching the group stage in 1970 was their best result around that time. Uh, they came into better form in the 80s, and fourth place in 1986 remained their best result in the World Cup until recently. Okay, giving us a little bit to... Uh... A little bit of foreshadowing there. And now let's uh, jump into their World Cup history, beginning with an overview. So uh, Belgium qualified for each of the first three World Cups, but they never got past the first round. From 1954 to 1980, they only qualified twice. That was in 1954 and then again in 1970. Uh, but they didn't get past the first round in those tournaments either. From 1982, however, they were consistent qualifiers, reaching uh, the World Cup an impressive six times in a row, and even better, uh, reaching the second round five of those six times. The 2006 World Cup, however, broke that qualifying streak, and they failed again in 2010 before returning with an impressive squad and a quarterfinals finish in 2014. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, and then we'll update the uh, most recent Cups uh, after we do their World Cup finals in detail. So moving on to the to the uh, deep dive into their World Cups, we've divided it into four parts. So part one deals with 1930 to 1954. So qualification for the 1930 uh, World Cup did not involve any games, but did involve that trans-ocean voyage. Uh, that we talked about and a large commitment of time. Any European team willing to do it uh, qualified uh, just by doing it and only four teams did. Belgium made the trip only to lose their two uh, group stage games, 0-3 to USA and 0-1 to Paraguay. They nevertheless have the honor of being participants in the first World Cup. And 1934 was much closer to home in Italy it was structured the way the finals. Uh, it was structured the way the final stage of current tournaments are structured, uh, in the form of a round of sixteen uh, elimination contest. So they were paired with Germany in that round of sixteen and took a two-one lead into halftime. However, the Germans scored four goals in the second half and handed uh, Belgium a two-five loss. So that single game made up their 1934 tournament. And unfortunately, it was the same in France in 1938, where they were paired with the host. They lost 1-3 for another quick exit. Though their team did not earn, uh, uh, did not earn much reputation in the pre-war cups, uh, playing only four games over three tournaments and losing them all, their referee, uh, John Lejan, uh, Langanis, help me, Connor. Yeah, Langanis. Yeah, John Langanis did. Uh, he refereed the semi-final and final of the 1930 World Cup and games in the following two cups included the third place match in 1938. Okay, Belgium withdrew in 1950. Uh, 1950 that was... Uh, still recovering from the war, I suppose, and qualified for 1954. They earned their first point in their opening game. They came back from 3-1 down 
uh, to draw the highly rated England. Uh, this, this forced the game to extra time because even group stage games at that time required resolution. So both teams scored in extra time, which apparently was resolution enough. Uh, they lost their next game to Italy 1-4, and the odd format did not see them playing Switzerland, the other team in the group. So their single point there saw them finish uh, last in the group stage in 1954. All right, so uh, on to part two. Uh, Belgium did not qualify again until 1970. There they won their opener 3-0 over El Salvador. A 1-4 loss to USSR followed. In the third game, Mexico was awarded a questionable penalty at 14 minutes, and its conversion turned out to be the only goal of the game. Uh, Belgium finished third in the group stage and did not advance. They missed the next two cups despite a good period in their Euro Cup play, uh, but returned in 1982 on the back of a second-place finish in Euro 1980. Their improvement showed in the cup, starting with 1-0 wins over defending World Cup champion Argentina and a weak El Salvador. Guaranteed passage now, they tied Hungary 1-1 in the third game to finish first in the group. The second group stage of, uh, was a, of three teams proved tougher. Belgium lost 0-3 to Poland, who were at a peak in their history, and lost 0-1 to USSR. Uh, so it's still a good tournament, uh, with Belgium achieving their first time uh, past the group stage and their best ever finish. All right. Well, part three deals with 1960, uh, sorry, 1986 to 1998. So 1986 was a better final result, but a more arduous process beginning by qualifying through a playoff. The cup started with a loss to host Mexico uh, and a win over debutants Iraq in game two was followed by a 2-2 draw with Paraguay for a third-place finish. The tournament, expanded to 24 teams in the previous edition, now afforded the top four third-place finishers passage, and Beldum was actually the top third-place finisher, so they went through to the final round to meet USSR. Uh, this time they won, the game finishing 2-2 in regular time, but Belgium getting the winner uh, getting two goals, actually, in extra time. And they advanced to play Spain, uh, where a goal at 35 looked like it would be enough to win until Spain equalized at 85. The matter went to penalties, where Spain missed their second shot, uh, and that was the only miss of the shootout. So on they went to the semifinals. Uh, Diego Maradona scored Argentina's two goals as they put Belgium to the sword. It was uh, France who they played in the third place match, and that finished 2-2 in regular time, and France uh, won on two goals in extra time themselves. Fourth place, then, would be the peak of this strong period for Belgium. Uh, 1980 saw another successful qualification, and in the cup, wins over South Korea and Uruguay assured their passage in the group stage, but it was in second place after their loss to Spain in the third place match. Sorry, in the third group stage match. The round of 16 went scoreless with England, and it looked like it would go to penalties until David Platt scored at 119 to knock Belgium out. Sorry, Connor, do you mind taking over? Yeah, and I'll just uh, clarify that was 1990 uh, for that World Cup. Um, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, 1994 was a similar pattern. 
um, where Belgium beat Morocco and Netherlands each by 1-0 to secure passage. The third game against Saudi Arabia held the promise of a first-place finish. Uh, in the fifth minute, Saudi Arabia's Saeed uh, al Awarain scored at five minutes on an incredible run through Belgium's defense from his own 35-yard line. Belgium were unable to find an equalizer, and the score remained that way till the end. Uh, but the 0-1 loss had more serious consequences than they probably anticipated. Uh, Netherlands, Saudi Arabia, and Belgium were tied for first on points and goal difference, but Belgium finished third by dint of scoring fewer goals. Uh, once again, it was good enough to advance uh, as a third-place finishers, uh, but it left them facing Germany, uh, while Netherlands had Ireland and Saudi Arabia met Sweden. Uh, Belgium lost 2-3, uh, their second goal a mere consolation at 90 minutes. Uh, Michel Prudhomme won both the, uh, the Best Goalkeeper Award, um, which is an honour usually given to a finalist, um, and the tournament marked Belgium's fourth World Cup in a row beyond the group stage. Um, however, this would not last into 1998 as their star faded. Uh, Belgium did reach France in 1998 and actually went undefeated. Uh, draws with Netherlands, Mexico, and South Korea saw them finish third in the group. Uh, no third-place teams advancing, though, um, as the cup was now expanded to 32 teams. All right. Well, I'll finish uh, with part four, which covers 2002 to 2014. So 2002 was also a successful qualification, uh, even if, if it was through the uh, UEFA playoff. And the tournament started with a 2-2 draw against co-host Japan, the goals uh, came in a flurry of 18 minutes, Belgium scoring first and last there. The only goals with Tunisia came at 13 and 17 minutes for a 1-1 draw. The third game between Belgium and Russia would decide which of the two would advance, and Belgium won that match 3-2. Unfortunately, they were paired with eventual winners Brazil in the round of 16, and tournament star Ronaldo scored at 67 and 87 to put them out. Uh, Belgium star truly faded with fourth-place finish, uh, finishes in their qualifying groups in both 2006 and 2010. So a bad period for them, but they returned to the Cup in 2014 with an excellent crop of players who had won their qualifying group in 2014, fully nine points ahead of the second-place team. They commanded the group stage also, winning all three games, even if it was only by a one-goal margin in each. It was 2-1 over Algeria and 1-0 on late goals in their last two, at 88 against Russia and at 78 against South Korea. The round of 16 with USA went scoreless, thanks to American keeper Tim Howard, who made a record amount of saves. But Kevin De Bruyne, the midfield engineer who had been their top scorer in qualifying broke through in extra time at 93 minutes and the team added another goal at 105 to win. Actually, USA scored at 107 and even threatened to equalize, but Belgium held on and advanced to the quarterfinal where they lost to eventual finalists Argentina, uh, losing on the only goal of the game, which was at eight minutes. In truth, it was a bit of a disappointing result given the strength of their squad, uh, some pundits predicting that they would win the Cup, but the players were young and coming into their prime for World Cup 2018, so let's take a close look at that one. Yeah, so uh, 
beginning with qualification, um, Belgium had a commanding qualification run, winning all games except for a, a home draw with Greece, but they scored an impressive 43 goals over 10 games. In the tournament, they won all games over Panama, Tunisia, and England to finish first in the group stage, um, though, though the last game, which paired um, Belgium and England's B teams, um, actually put uh, put Belgium on a more difficult side of the bracket, whereas England ended up facing much easier opposition. Uh, Belgium came from a two-goal deficit to beat Japan in a thrilling round of 16 game, uh, the winning goal a counterattack on the last play of the game. Belgium then beat Brazil in the quarterfinals, but lost to France on a single goal in the semis. Uh, they met England again in the third place match and won again, um, and achieved their best ever result at third, uh, having finished in fourth place in 1986. All right, so uh, a good result there in 2018. And uh, we're going to move on to their qualifying in 2022 or for this cup. Yeah, it was another comfortable qualification for Belgium. Uh, winning all games except for uh, draws with second place Wales and third place Czech Republic. Um, both of those on the road. But they finished five points clear uh, in their qualifying group. Yeah, they do seem to struggle a bit with Wales, don't they? Yeah, um, Euro 2016, uh, notably. Right, they were not. Oh, well, well, we'll come to that soon, I suppose. And that actually does bring us nicely on to their uh, Euro Cup history, which we'll just overview here. Uh, the record uh, is actually much weaker in the Euro Cup. However, their best period filled a gap where they failed to qualify for the World Cup. So despite not reaching the 1974 and 78 World Cups, they finished third in Euro 1972 and second in Euro 1980. Beyond that, until 2016, uh, they only reached the Cup twice. That was in 1984 when they co-hosted and in 2000. Uh, uh, where, uh, however, they failed to pass the group stage in each of these. Uh, and this, this happening during a period where they were reaching every World Cup and where they passed the group stage five out of six times. So their long absence from the cup that ran, um, uh, that, anyway, their long absence from the cup was finally redressed with a convincing qualification by their new generation in uh, 2016. But the quarterfinal finish was seen uh, as a disappointment since their impressive squad had only a few moments of brilliance and they finally fell to a lesser team in, Connor? In, in Wales. Wales, they were knocked out in the quarterfinals there. Uh, let's see how their uh, impressive new generation, now in their prime, fared in the 2020 Euro Cup. Yeah, so beginning with qualification, we're getting used to saying this, but it was another commanding qualification um, over Russia, Scotland, and, and some weaker teams, winning all 10 games and finishing with the goal record of 40 scored and just three against. Uh, in wow. the tournament, they won all games over Russia, Denmark, and Finland to finish first in the group stage. They beat Portugal in the round of 16, but fell to eventual champions Italy in the quarterfinals. Um, another disappointing end uh, for a team that came in ranked first in the world by FIFA. Right. Okay, well, that is their tournament history, and now we're just going to take a look at some of the recent and upcoming games. 
Uh, oh, it looks like they reached the finals of the 2021 UEFA League uh, there, Connor. Yeah, they did reach um, Yeah, that final round in the Nations League. Um, however, it was two losses, um, a semi-final loss to France, followed by a loss to Italy, um, who would beat them in the Euro uh, Cup, as we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a couple friendlies, a tie in Ireland uh, earlier this year, um, as well as a 3-0 win over Burkina Faso. Um, and since then, they've returned to, uh, to Nations League play. Um, they had four games in June of this year. It began poorly with a, a 1-4 loss at home to rivals um, Netherlands. Uh, but they then beat Poland 6-1, tied in Wales, again, Wales <laughs> giving them trouble, um, before beating Poland the second time. Um, so they have two wins, a draw, and a loss with two games remaining. Right, and uh, they play Wales in their next game, so it'll be a bit of fun to see uh, uh, fun to see how that goes. So in September, they have those two uh, Nations League games to finish off. Uh, uh, that is at home to Wales and then in Netherlands. And recently they've scheduled a friendly, a pre, pre-World pre Cup friendly uh, against Iraq. So they'll be playing in Iraq. And I suppose that is to uh, to kind of get themselves used to the climate. Yeah, in Iraq or, or sometimes those games are in neutral locations. I'm not sure if they'll... No, no, that one is in Iraq. I've, oh, really? uh, I've taken care of that. Yeah. Wow. Not many teams travel there, but... Um, yeah, 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 so it's a, a bit of an unusual choice. In fact, I think we saw that they met Iraq in their only, in Iraq's only World Cup, right? Um, I, I'm not certain of, but... I, I just think I remember saying that in the history. It's it's terrible that I forgot, but <laughs> I think they did play Iraq in the only World Cup that uh, Iraq reached, and sometimes that uh, creates a connection Actually, yeah. uh, South Korea created a connection with Netherlands in the 1998 uh, World Cup, and then the Netherlands coach became their coach. Anyway, yeah, well, was, yeah. just moving on to their schedule, um, Belgium will start the World Cup against Canada, um, and then they play Morocco and then meet the other European team, Croatia, uh, in their uh, final match. Uh, right, and uh, we're going to um, uh, talk about the significance of that lineup when we get to the discussion part. But uh, we'll move on to uh, Croatia. Um, we'll move on to talking about Croatia, uh, beginning with their participation and achievements. So Croatia can make some claim to the record of Yugoslavia's reputation, but officially, according to FIFA, it belongs mostly to Serbia. Uh, Serbians make up 40% of the old Yugoslavia, while Croatia, despite having provided many players, made up only 20%. It should also be noted that they played some games as a semi-independent nation in 1918 and 1919, and uh, in 1941 to 1945. And technically, their first official game should be cited during those periods. Uh, they've done far better than the larger Serbia, though, and than Bosnia and Herzegovina, which also made up about 20% of Yugoslavia. Uh, we'll reference Yugoslavia in the overviews to show that Croatia has a legacy before 1994, but the detailed examination will wait until we cover Serbia. So Yugoslavia, which Croatia was part of before 1992, had a long and fearsome, though intermittent record as a soccer country. 
they're the only team to have entered every World Cup. Did you know that, Connor? I did not. I probably wouldn't have guessed it either. Yeah, yeah, that's a good trivia question. Uh, they also participated in every Euro Cup until 1992, uh, which they qualified for, uh, but from which they were banned. Uh, that was for failing to adhere to UN resolutions during the Yugoslav Wars. Uh, Croatia declared independence in 1992, but they were not able to enter qualification in time for the 1994 World Cup. So their first tournament as Croatia was the 1996 Euro Cup and uh, for the World Cup in 1998. And they have kept that tradition of never failing to participate. In terms of achievement, Yugoslavia did particularly well in the early years of both Cups. Their semi-final finish in the first World Cup in 1930 remained their best result and was almost equal by a fourth-place finish in 1962. Uh, Croatia improved on that slightly in their first appearance as an independent nation, taking third place in 1998. Wow. Uh, Second-place finishes in their uh, in the first and third Euro Cups in 1960 and 68 were Yugoslavia's top results in that competition. Uh, Croatia have not matched that. Uh, though, with two quarterfinal finishes, their best results there. Okay, well, let's move on to uh, look at a World Cup overview. And, um, yeah, this is where we kind of separate uh, uh, Croatia's history from Yugoslavia. But we will say that Yugoslavia reached the semifinals of the first World Cup in 1930, but didn't qualify for the following two World Cups. After the war, Yugoslavia reached the World Cup four times in a row and finished in fourth place in 1962, which is the last of these uh, four appearances. After that, they qualified for three of the seven cups, passing the group stage twice. Uh, unable to make it to the 1994 World Cup, as we've said, after, uh, after independence, Croatia stormed into a third place finish in the 1998 World Cup. However, like Yugoslavia before the breakup, they waver in consistency and strength. Since 1998, though, they have never made it beyond the group stage and failed to even reach the finals in 2010, despite obvious talent. Uh, they did return in 2014 to a group stage finish, and uh, we'll, we'll take a closer look at how they've done uh, since 2018. Okay, so we're going to uh, look in their uh, World Cup finals in detail. So again, Yugoslavia's detailed history will be covered on the Serbia, who also qualified for this World Cup. Uh, Croatia made a tremendous impact in their first World Cup in 1998, despite qualifying through a play uh, playoff. They opened the tournament with a 3-0 win over debutants Jamaica. Uh, they followed that with a 1-0 win over Japan. Davor Suker, who would eventually win the Golden Boot Award, scoring uh, against Japan there. That guaranteed qualification, so the third game was a playoff uh, for first place between our, them and Argentina, who had also won their first two. Croatia lost 0-1 and settled for second place behind Argentina. Uh, and that put them in the round of 16 with Romania. Uh, and they won 1-0, Davor Suker again, uh, scoring the only goal on a penalty just before halftime. A stunning 3-0 win over Germany followed. Uh, they faced host France in the semi-final. Uh, 
Uh, with no goals in the first half, Davosuka struck quickly in the second, uh, just after halftime. France responded, though, immediately, just a minute later, and scored again to uh, win the game. Croatia took third place with a win over the Netherlands. Do you want to cover the next section? Sure. In 2002, South, uh, South Korea, Japan, Croatia lost their opener 0-1 to to Mexico. They went down by a goal to Italy at 55 minutes in their second match, but came back uh, with goals at 73 and 76. A win against Ecuador, who were already out of contention, could have uh, secured them second place ahead of Italy. However, uh, Ecuador's lone goal at 48 minutes prevented them from advancing. So a disappointing finish there. Mm-hmm. In 2006, Ger- uh, in Germany, Croatia opened with a 0-1 loss to Brazil. A goalless draw with Japan in Game 2 made a win imperative in Game 3 against Australia. They started with a rocket goal just two minutes in, but Australia equalized on a penalty at 38 minutes. They took the lead again at 56 with a weak shot bobbled by an Australian goalie of Croatian descent. Uh, But a death blow came with an Australian equalizer at 79 minutes. The game was chaotic at the end with five yellow cards handed out in the last five minutes. And in the confusion, one player received three yellow cards uh, not having been sent off after his second. Yeah, right. I remember that. All right. Well, Croatia fell short of reaching the cup in 2010, but they returned uh, for Brazil 2014, where they played the tournament opener against the host. They took the lead on an own goal at 12, but Brazil equalized at 29. It remained tied until Brazil won a soft penalty at 71 and then added another in injury time after Croatia had had a goal disallowed at 83. A different kind of controversy surrounds the 4-0 win over Cameroon in the second game. Suspicions of match fixing, uh, particularly surrounding Cameroon's Alexander Song, uh, where he with no motivation and inexplicably elbowed uh, the back of the head of a Croatian player to earn a red card. Uh, But the win was not enough for Croatia, though, as they lost their third game to Mexico and were knocked out at the group stage. Okay, that takes us to the World Cup uh, 2018, which Connor is going to cover in a bit more detail. Yeah, beginning with qualification, uh, Croatia started qualification with a home tie against Turkey, who eventually bested them. Uh, Croatia beat Ukraine twice and traded home wins with top finisher Iceland, uh, but it was a home tie with Finland in the second uh, second last game that condemned them to second place, uh, and thus the playoffs. Uh, the UEFA playoff um, against Greece uh, was actually over quickly uh, as Croatia won the first leg 4-1, and, and then no goals were scored in the second leg. At the World Cup, um, Croatia won all three games to finish first in the group stage, beating Nigeria and Iceland comfortably, uh, the latter with their B team. Uh, They also beat Argentina 3-0 in what was a famous win. Um, On to the knockout stage, they beat both Denmark and host Russia on penalties. Um, The the first one against Denmark featuring a missed penalty in extra time. Um, And against Russia, they exchanged... Uh, goals in extra time, so that one finished 1-1 before Croatia won in penalties. Um, 
extra time was also required to beat England uh, in the semi-final, um, which they did there. Uh, despite dominating France in the final, um, they lost the game, which arguably hinged on a questionable penalty awarded against them for handball. Um, France ended up winning the game by a comfortable scoreline of 4-2. Um, but nevertheless, it was Croatia's best result ever, uh, second place surpassing their third place finish in 1998. Yeah, they really have some good results. Let's see how they've done in uh, World Cup 22 qualifying. It actually wasn't that impressive in 2018, despite the result. Uh, let's see if they are a bit more consistent here. Well, they started with the loss uh, to eventual fourth-place finisher Slovenia, um, but it was their only loss, and they otherwise only tied Russia away and Slovakia at home, uh, those two finishing behind them, respectively. So they finished um, first uh, in a tight race in their qualifying group. Uh, Russia finished just a point behind, uh, but it was enough to send Croatia automatically uh, to the finals. All right. Uh, okay, well, now we'll take a look at the Euro Cup history, uh, just in, in an overview. So from its start in 1960, Yugoslavia qualified for uh, every second Euro Cup with unfailing regularity. Uh, when they did reach the Cup, they did well, finishing second in 1960 and in 1968, and then fourth in their third Cup in 1976. Uh, as in the World Cup, uh, they became weaker after 1976, reaching only one tournament in 1984, where they were knocked out at the group stage. Uh, Croatia from 1996 proved more consistent in reaching the cup, failing only once in 2000 when they finished behind Ireland and, um, and uh, finishing behind uh, the first place team, Yugoslavia. That's the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia, which was uh, restructured and ultimately short-lived. Uh, this was a disappointment in the tournament uh, after their third place finish in the 1998 World Cup. Uh, they've never reached those kind of heights in the Euro Cup. Uh, the quarterfinals is the furthest they've gone here. But uh, let's see how they did in 2020. Yeah, beginning again with qualifying, uh, Croatia won a tight group, um, which was kind of unconvincingly, um, given they were World Cup finalists. Uh, they, Wales, Slovakia, and Hungary were only separated by five points. Uh, they won all their games at home, but only one on the road, tying even Azerbaijan uh, and losing to Hungary. In the tournament, they lost to England in their opener. Uh, England, I guess, getting some measure of revenge uh, from the semifinals of the previous World Cup. Um, but then they tied Czech Republic and beat Scotland to finish second in the group stage. Um, they met Spain in the round of 16, where they scored two late goals to bring a dominant Spain to extra time. Um, but two goals for Spain during that period ultimately put them out. All right. So a round of 16 finish in the 2022 World Cup. Uh, probably a bit disappointing after their uh, second place in the World Cup. But there we have it. Let's see how they've done in their, their recent games. Yeah, so um, Croatia had a couple friendlies in May of this year, tying Slovenia and, Bul and beating Bulgaria both at home. Uh, in the Nations League, they're in Group A, which is the top group. Um, they began with a 0-3 home loss to Austria, um, but then tied France at home, and since then have beaten both Denmark and France away, both by scores of 1-0. So uh, two quite impressive results 
uh, being their last two games. Um, yeah, before the Nation mm -hmm. League resumes uh, in September. Right, and like Belgium, they currently stand second in their group. Uh, so I don't think they're in much danger of dropping to League B. Uh, yeah, and they have those two games coming. Both are away games, actually, uh, so they've gained a bit of advantage. Um, no, there must be a mistake there. Uh, but anyway, they play Denmark and Austria, and they too have scheduled a friendly, a pre-World Cup friendly, um, against Saudi Arabia, and that, that one is also in Saudi Arabia. So like Belgium, uh, maybe climatizing themselves, Connor. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what they're doing. Okay, what does our World Cup schedule look like? So Croatia begins with Morocco, and then they play Canada, and they end with Belgium, uh, which we'll, we'll discuss later. All right, okay. And uh, moving on then to Morocco. And uh, we'll talk about uh, their participation and achievements first. So their first international game was quite late in 1957. Uh, they began qualifying in 1962 for the World Cup. And after joining the general African boycott of the World Cup in 1966, they participated consistently from 1970. African Cup participation got off to a rocky start, withdrawing in 1962, uh, joining their first in 1963, but not entering three of the five subsequent tournaments and only participating consistently from 1976. They were also disqualified in 2015 because of withdrawing from hosting. Um, yeah, and they are part of another regional group, uh, a few other regional groups, but we're only going to touch on the Arab Cup here, uh, which has become a bit more important to competition uh, recently. We'll get to that a bit later on in the recent games section. In terms of achievements, Morocco have reached the World Cup five times. A round of 16 finish in 1986 is their best result, and otherwise they have not passed the group stage. They won their only African Cup in 1976, and it finished in the top four, four times. Uh, their best result in the Arab Cup uh, was a title win in 2012, but it was a lesser competition then than it was in 2021. Right. Okay, well, let's move on to the World Cup, beginning with an overview. And uh, they reached the World Cup in 1970, uh, in 1986, and then twice in a row from 1994 uh, to 1998. And finally, uh, they reached it again in 2018. Actually, they came very close on their first try in 1962, in the sense that they made it out of Africa. But then they faced a playoff with Spain and had little chance. Uh, that was as close as any African or Asian team came to the 1962 World Cup and kind of sheds a little light on why the two confederations boycotted the cup in 1966. Uh, the boycott was successful in the sense that it guaranteed Africa one place among the 16 teams in the 1970 World Cup, and Morocco took that spot in their second qualification campaign in 1970. It took until 1986, four cups later, to succeed again. And there they passed the group stage for their best finish ever. Terrible campaign in 1990 saw them finish bottom of the group in round one of two, but they reached the next two cups with only one loss over their two qualifying campaigns. 
and they fell just short for the following two cups. Um, that would be 2002 and 2006, uh, finishing last. Um, and uh, yeah, even further, uh, even further, they finished last in the final round in 2010 and didn't even reach that stage in 2014. Uh, but just as it seemed they were sinking, uh, their last qualification in uh, in 2000, their qualification in 2018 was, uh, oh, we're going to wait until Connor does that one in detail. I kind of gave it away there, Connor. That's all right. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go back to the World Cup finals in detail. Do you want to start us off, Connor? Sure. So 1970 was a long process to reach the final, um, but as in 1962, the fear was, and in fact still is, um, that upon advancing beyond Africa, the regional representative was too weak to be competitive on the world stage. That ultimately proved true in their first appearance in 1970. In the details, though, they were quite competitive. They took a lead at 21 minutes in their first game against West Germany, and held it until the Europeans scored at 56 and 80. In game two, they held Peru to a draw until the South Americans, uh, led by one of their greats, uh, Kulibas, uh, scored three goals in 10 minutes uh, from 65 onwards for a more humiliating scoreline than their performance deserved. A tie with Bulgaria in their third game gave Morocco their only point, but it was a last place finish uh, that confirmed their fears. Um, the next successful qualification was in 1986 in Mexico. They put in an amazing performance in the Cup, um, tying a Poland team coming off a peak in their strength, and then England, uh, both games going scoreless. In Game 3, they beat Portugal to finish top of the group. They faced West Germany again in the round of 16 and again kept it competitive, but Germany scored the only goal of the game at 87 minutes for the win. That performance did a lot towards making African teams believing they could compete. Right. Well, unfortunately, uh, 1994 was quite the opposite. Despite an impressive qualification, they lost all games in the group stage. It was only a one-goal margin in each of their games against Belgium, uh, Saudi Arabia, and Netherlands. So in terms of performance, they were competitive there too. Uh, 1998, though, yielded better results. They started with a 2-2 draw against Norway, but were no match for Brazil, to whom they lost 0-3. But a 3-1 win over Scotland in Game 3, with two goals by the pro prolific Salhadim Basir, should have seen them through. It all looked good as they tracked the other game taking place at the same time to see Norway tied with Brazil, a result that would have seen Morocco through and Brazil's goal at 78, which seemed to guarantee it. However, their hopes were dashed as Norway upset Brazil with two late goals and snatched second spot. Uh, as mentioned above, they grew even farther from the cup uh, between 2002 and 2014, not even reaching the final round of qualification in 2014. So let's see how they recovered in 2018. All right, so Morocco didn't need to compete in the preliminary round, round one of three. Um, and then in round two, they were paired with Equatorial Guinea. Um, they beat them in the first leg at home, but made hard work of it in the second, losing but by a small enough margin to see them uh, advancing 2-1 on aggregate. Uh, they then went undefeated in round three, which was a group stage, 
They bested Mali and Gabon, um, but seemed unlikely as they went into the last game in Ivory Coast, having tied them at home. But against expectations, they won the game um, and the group um, to, uh, to reach their first World Cup since 1998. All right. How did they do in the Cup? Um, their, their single draw uh, in the Cup actually belies how tight their group was. Uh, they lost on a single goal in the opener to Iran, an own goal at 90 plus 5 for a really bitter loss. They lost game two on a single goal also to Portugal this time. Against Spain in game three, they were beating Spain until a controversial equalizer uh, that was initially disallowed was later accepted after video review. Um, that game finished 2-2. Um, so their last place finish in the group stage was a poor reflection of their competitiveness, um, but unfortunately um, not enough to go through. All right, that's too bad. I thought they did quite well there. Do you remember who their manager was? Um, maybe a yes, hint, a well-dressed manager. Is it the dashing Irv Renard? <laughs> so it is. All right, and Irv Renard is now with Saudi Arabia, so we'll see him in the uh, this World Cup also. Uh, let's uh, move on to see how they did in World Cup qualifying for this cup. Um, so they again received a bye in the preliminary round. Um, they then won all games over Guinea-Bissau, Guinea, and Sudan uh, to finish a, a, a distant first in round two of three. Um, sorry, they were imperious, um, and the campaign was actually uneventful in terms of games. Um, but they did travel to Guinea only to find themselves waking up the next day to gunfire in the streets and a civil war. Uh, so that was dramatic. Wow. Uh, the final playoff round proved uh, easy, tying the away leg, but then winning uh, the home leg over Congo DR to advance to the cup. Um, that was 5-2 on aggregate. Right. Yes, okay. So here they are, and uh, we will come to look at their recent games uh, soon. But first, we'll uh, give an overview of their African Cup history. So from its start in 1957, Morocco was uh, weak in early African Cup play. After coming close in 1963, it took until 1972 to reach their first cup, and there they were knocked out of the group stage. On their second entry in 1976, however, they won the title. It would be their only title. Uh, but it did initiate a strong period in the competition, even if that period did include two non-qualifications. Otherwise, it was a third-place finish in 1980 and fourth place in both 1986 and 1988, uh, hosting providing some advantage in the 1998 version there. Uh, but that was followed by a weak period, failing to qualify for three of the next four cups, even though the uh, edition expanded uh, to 16 teams in 1996. But that expansion ultimately helped, as from 1998 they regularly qualified, failing only once again in 2010, although they were disqualified in 2015. In 1998, they reached the quarterfinals, and 2004 saw a second-place finish. Uh, otherwise, they were knocked out of the group stage in six out of eight tournaments between 1998 and 2013. It took 13 years for them 
to again pass the group stage when they did so in 2017. That, together with the World Cup qualification after a long absence, suggested they were heading into a period of strength. So let's see if that turned out to be the case uh, through the 19, sorry, through the 2019 African Cup. All right, so I'll pick it up. Um, <laughs> so in qualifying for 2019, Morocco finished first in their qualifying group, uh, ahead on goal difference of Cameroon, um, but the top two qualified automatically. Um, at the tournament, they were unconvincing in the group stage, eking out wins over Namibia and South Africa only on last-minute goals. But they did well to beat Ivory Coast and finish first in the group stage with maximum points. Uh, shamefully, they lost to Benin on penalties in the round of 16, despite being given a late penalty and having a man advantage. Wow. All right. Well, not a great result there. Okay. In 2021, um, Morocco started their qualifying campaign weekly with a home draw against Mauritania. Um, and tied them away too, but they otherwise uh, beat Central African Republic and Burundi to comfortably finish first in their qualifying group. They finished first in the group stage too um, at the tournament, beating a poorly performing Ghana and um, also beating Comoros and then tying Gabon. They beat Malawi in the round of 16, but lost to Egypt in extra time of the quarterfinals, uh, their performance better than their result. Uh, do you remember that game? Uh, I remember that game. I think that was the game where the uh, Egyptians got very ill-tempered, if I recall. Yeah, it finished 1-1. Um, I thought Morocco were by far the better team. Egypt were, were really kind of defensive and kind of negative in that game. And uh, Morocco really brought it, but um, yeah, couldn't couldn't find a goal. And then, yeah, lost in extra time. It, it was a bit unfortunate for them because they played yeah, well. Yeah, and I think that might have been the only uh, the only game, including the final, that Egypt allowed a goal in because I think they won most of their games uh, one nothing, especially in the final stages. Yeah. So Morocco did well to score against them. And I do really agree with you that uh, uh, despite the scores not really showing it, um, Morocco looked quite good in, in that cup and it scares me a little bit as a Canadian, I must say. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, part of their recent game history was actually shortly before that African Cup uh, in the 2021 FIFA Arab Cup in Qatar. The Arab Cup has been around for uh, a while, but it just kind of got a boost in reputation by being adopted by uh, FIFA. So um, uh, a lot of teams actually did send their best players, or at least their best players uh, stationed in Africa. Uh, but I don't think actually Morocco did. Uh, nevertheless, they did okay. You want to take us through, uh, through that? Yeah, they were very strong in the group stage. Um, they beat Palestine and Jordan 4-0 each, and then beat Saudi Arabia 1-0 uh, to finish first. Uh, in the round of, uh, sorry, I guess it would be the quarterfinals, uh, they tied Algeria, um, but then lost to them in a penalty shootout. Um, their North African colleagues would uh, would go on to become the tournament champions. Yeah, sorry, I think I have a mistake saying that that was 0-1 uh, and it was actually 1-1. Uh, one, one. But yeah, they lost on penalties. Um, okay, and otherwise, uh, in recent games, they have uh, had a few friendlies... Uh, uh, well, last June, it's a bit distant now, but uh, um, 
Do you want to take us through their recent games? Yeah, so other than the Arab Cup uh, matches they talked about, they had a friendly against the United States, uh, perhaps with one eye on Canada, um, who they meet here. And they actually lost three, uh, 0-3 to uh, in the United States, so not a great result. Um, and I understand they scheduled a couple friendlies. Yeah, well, what happened was they were scheduled to play Zimbabwe in their group for 2023 African Cup qualifying, but uh, Zimbabwe got disqualified. So uh, it looks like they just kind of replaced those games with a, a couple of friendlies, and both of them are taking place in Spain. Um, uh, one of them is against Chile, and the other is against Paraguay, neither of whom... Uh, made the World Cup this time. Right. All right. Well, what does their World Cup schedule look like? Uh, Morocco will begin with uh, finalists from last year, Croatia. Uh, they then meet uh, world number two, Belgium second, and play Canada third. All right. Well, speaking of Canada, we're going to move on to them. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, beginning with their participation and achievements. So their first international game was actually very early, Connor, in 1885. And um, they're one of the oldest teams in the region, having first entered the World Cup in 1958. They didn't enter in 1962 or 66, but participated every time since 1970. Uh, they joined the CONCACAF Regional Cup long after its 1963 inception, uh, where for some reason they waited until 1973. Uh, they've participated consistently since then, though, except for 1998, where they withdrew for no clear, uh, no clear reason. I've looked into it, and uh, the reasons that exist are odd. Uh, but maybe we'll cover that in... Oh, uh, we might have covered that in uh, the... CONCACAF podcast that we did if people want to go back. Uh, anyway, their only involvement was as representatives of CONCACAF um, in the 2001 Confederations Cup, which they earned by winning the Gold Cup in 2000. Um, yeah. Yeah, in terms of success, Canada has reached the World Cup only once in 1986. At the regional level, their highlights are winning the Regional Cup in 1985, which was a period of strength for them. And in 2000, uh, the only team other than the U.S. and Mexico to have won it in the Gold Cup era. All right. Well, we'll take a bit of a closer look in an overview of their regional tournament. But um, we're going to look at the uh, World Cup here. Their World Cup history. So uh, uh, they didn't win or even score once they uh, reached their only World Cup in 1986. But it was an admirable qualification. Uh, they came somewhat close in 1994 by reaching a, uh, what I call a 0.25 intercontinental playoff. So that would mean they'd have to beat two teams to reach the World Cup. Uh, they, they lost to Australia. And after that, they would have had to beat Argentina. So they were never really a serious threat for the 1994 Cup. Still, it was a strong qualification run. And historically, they reached the final round of qualification uh, in their region about half the time. But in recent years, they've struggled to do so, uh, having failed to do since uh, 1998. Uh, of course, uh, they're at this World Cup, so obviously that changed recently. And we'll get to that when Connor 
describes their qualification for this cup. But uh, their World Cup finals history, okay, well, buckle yourself in, Connor, for a long one. I've divided this into eight parts. So part one of eight is called the glory years. All right. Okay. The 1986 tournament in Mexico began with a loss to France. They were reasonably competitive, keeping the game scoreless until 79, when France got the only goal of the game. They faced Hungary in game two, and they were scored on just two minutes in. It remained that way until Hungary scored again at 75, and if a comeback was ever in the cards, a red card to Canada at 85 made it impossible. A reasonably solid defense kept it scoreless with USSR until the 58th minute, where captain and later Ukraine manager Oleg Blokin opened the scoring. And then the Soviets scored again at 74 and sent Canada home without a point or a goal. And that's all. That's our whole World Cup history, Connor. What happened to the other seven parts? Uh, We're waiting for them to be written. That's right. Well, I like the optimism. Listen to our podcast near the end of the century and we'll fill you in on the details. Yeah, that's right. Okay, let's move on to World Cup 2018 uh, to see how they did. Yeah, so in 2018, Canada received a, a bye in round one of five um, and then had no problems with Dominica in round two and Belize uh, in round three. Um, they also bested a weak El Salvador in round four Um this was a group stage, but then they were no match uh, for group winners, Mexico losing both. They exchanged home wins with uh, Honduras, uh, who finished um, in second, a point ahead of Canada. So for Canada, it was disappointing not to reach the final round, known as a hex. Um, but uh, yeah, making that that round kind of seemed like an achievement um, in itself. Yeah, so uh, that that's fairly descriptive of how strong they were as a team, kind of maybe even with El Salvador and Honduras, no match for Mexico and kind of making it uh, to the final round about half the time. And they didn't in this case. Um, But uh, 2022 was a bit of a different story. So let's go through that one. Yeah. So a bit of a bizarre story too. Canada was not one of five teams to questionably uh, receive a bye to the final round uh, in a qualification uh, system that was blatantly unfair uh, before COVID caused changes to improve it somewhat. Um, Those five teams, of course, were automatically given five of the six spots in the hex, leaving just one spot open to the whole rest of the region. So under that system, Canada had to scramble with El Salvador and they were playing friendlies to improve their ranking uh, to six so that they would qualify for the hex. However, yeah, just to jump in there, those five teams were uh, uh, were decided upon based on FIFA rankings. That's right. Yeah, and they would, and six teams were to be given by uh, for FIFA rankings, so they would have filled in the hex. Um, so right. that's why Canada was trying to boost their rankings because they were seventh at the time. Exactly. Um, uh, in the revised system, though, um, which expanded the hex from six to eight teams, um, they were forced uh, through two. Uh, Pre, or two, for two, uh, I guess, other rounds of qualification before reaching the final round. Um, they brought the automatic buy system uh, into serious question with a magnificent campaign, um, which ended them with 
uh, with Canada finishing uh, top top of the region in the in the uh, octagon. Um, how they got there? They they dominated round one of three, um, which was a a five team group stage, um, winning by margins of no less than four goals. Though uh, Suriname were the strongest competition there. Uh, they then dismissed Haiti in, in a round two uh, playoff. Um, Haiti was a team that knocked them out of the Gold Cup in 2019. Um, but then into the final round. Uh, the final round began uh, with a disappointing draw at home to Honduras, but away draws in Mexico and the U.S. were considered successes. Beating Mexico halfway through the campaign put them in first, and beating the USA shortly after effectively cemented their qualification. Uh, they would go on to retain, um, or they retained their first place um, out of eight in the final group, um, despite uh, losses in Costa Rica and Panama towards the end. Um, so in their 14 games in the octagon round, Canada finished with eight wins, four draws, and two losses, and were particularly strong at home, um, winning seven and tying the other, or winning six and tying the other. Any other comments, Kev? No, I'm just basking in the sunshine of your words here, Connor. Yeah, so to think Canada almost weren't given a spot in the hex or, or had no chance of competing in the hex, and then they go on and win the octagon, um, going undefeated against Mexico and the USA, again, just shows the blatant unfairness of the, uh, of the system. But it was expanded to become more merit-based, and on merit, Canada finished first in the group. Yeah, and I really hope this makes, uh, you know, FIFA, CONCACAF, whoever decides uh, that, that, you know, that system where you just put the the top-ranked teams into the final round is, is really unfair because it doesn't leave room for a team that, that's having a good year or, a, you know, a good period to come in and, and show what they're made of, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I gotta say that there's a bit of irony to this because I really think those uh, qualification games for Canada uh, helped them hone their team. And when they got to the final round and were facing teams like, um, especially teams like Jamaica and Honduras, uh, uh, those teams were really starting off cold, um, uh, coming in cold. And I feel like the teams that went through qualification, especially Panama and Canada, uh, benefited by playing those those earlier rounds. And speaking of cold, uh, we sat in the cold in Edmonton to watch uh, Canada beat uh, Costa Rica and Mexico in sub-zero temperatures. Yes, we um, did. We were delighted to be sitting in minus, and I'm not joking, uh, to be sitting in minus 11 temperatures for that Mexico game because uh, the more painful it was for us, the more painful it was for Mexico. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bit strategic for Canada to be uh, um, placing those games in Edmonton, but uh, they were great to be at. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to a regional uh, cup overview. Uh, at the regional level, Canada did not enter the CONCACAF Championship from its inception in 1963. Their first qualification was in 1973, and there they fell short. However, they reached the cup in the following two editions, impressive enough given that they were qualifying against Mexico and USA. Uh, they finished fourth in both, uh, the competition being a six-team round-robin competition at that time. Uh, that good period culminated in 1985 with a title win. 
which was a bit less impressive given that Mexico had not entered the competition. They were hosting the 1986 uh, World Cup there. So actually that uh, title win is what qualified Canada for the 1986 World Cup. Uh, they didn't qualify for the tournament in 1989. And then in the restructured Gold Cup from 1991 on, they uh, quite unfairly, I, I should say, received automatic qualification to every cup. Uh, the results show it was uh, kind of undeserved, but it really was a result of them, have, uh, of them having no one to qualify against. The Central American and the Caribbean region had their own local cups that acted as qualification, and uh, Canada really had no, no group of countries to uh, compete against. Uh, Canada was knocked out at the group stage of the Gold Cup until 1998, when, uh, as mentioned before, for no clear reason, they withdrew, uh, even though they had qualified automatically. Uh, the reason, actually, they put forward was odd. They said it was a show of goodwill toward Jamaica, allowing them to benefit, uh, allowing them the benefit of experience, and uh, uh, which just sounds like a garbage reason to me, or a made-up reason, so there's there's only speculation what the real reason they withdrew was. Nevertheless, it seemed to do them more harm than good as they returned in 2000 to win the Gold Cup, and that was followed by a third-place finish and a general improvement uh, from then on, passing the group stage about half the time. Third place in 2002 and reaching the semi-finals in 2007 were their best results. From 2011 to 2015, that's three tournaments, uh, they were knocked out in the group stage, but 2017 saw them pass the group stage for uh, their first quarterfinal finish since 2009. I just wonder on that show of goodwill towards Jamaica, I wonder if it was prior to Jamaica competing in the 1998 World Cup, um, in which case having a regional tournament that same year might have benefited them. Um, it's speculation on my part and still a yeah. bit odd, but per, perhaps that uh, could contribute. Uh, I didn't think of that, but it is a good point that Jamaica was competing in their first World Cup. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'm being a bit too cynical and uh, and uh, they really, um, yeah, they really were doing it for Jamaica's sake. Uh, I'll maybe try to look into that a bit deeper for the next time we, we run through this. Anyway, on to the 2019 Gold Cup. How did they do, Connor? They actually had to qualify for the first time. Um, they won. They had four qualifying games to play, and they won them uh, all against U.S. Virgin Islands, uh, Dominica, St. Kitts and Nevis, and French Guiana to finish second in kind of a strange 34-team table um, where they only played four <laughs> matches. Anyways, in the finals, Canada seemed to have its best team since 2000. Uh, beating Martinique and Cuba heavily, but losing to eventual group winners Mexico uh, to comfortably finish second in the group stage. In the in the quarterfinal, they dominated the Haitians in the first half, scoring two goals, but they took the tournament surprise team too lightly in the second half and gave up three goals to Haiti. Uh, they lost the match 3-2 uh, for a disappointing quarterfinal exit. Oh, we were disappointed indeed. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on to the most recent Gold Cup in 2021. Yeah, so it, it was really an excellent run. Um, again, they had to qualify, this time through the Nations League. 
um, where they met the USA and Cuba. They lost in the United States, but otherwise won all their other games, including beating the U.S. at home, to finish second uh, in their Nations League group, and that was good enough to qualify for the Gold Cup. Uh, they won their first two matches convincingly over Martinique and Haiti, getting some measure of revenge, but suffered a goal just 20 seconds into the match against the United States and could not recover, uh, despite dominating. Uh, so they lost that game and finished second. They beat Costa Rica in the quarterfinals and were on the verge of taking Mexico to penalties before losing the semifinal on a goal coming nine minutes into stoppage time. So heartbreaker uh, for the Canadians. Yeah, yeah, really too bad. But uh, next time we'll get them, hey? You, you bet. <laughs> well, actually qualifying for the 2023 Gold Cup uh, is already underway, although with just a couple of games. How are they doing? Yeah, so it's again through the Nations League. Um, so Canada began with um, a 4-0 win over Curaçao, but then lost in Honduras 1-2. Uh, um, so they sit second from two games played. They play both uh, Curaçao and Honduras, so still have a chance at winning the group, but only need to be in the top two to qualify for the Gold Cup. Great. Yeah, they do seem to have a bit of a, a bit of struggle with Honduras. Yeah, in particular. Yeah, even though Honduras is at a, a bit of a weak point themselves now, they they still seem to get the better of Canada. Okay, well, we move on then to the World Cup schedule. Yes, um, they have no real recent games to uh, to mention other than those CONCACAF uh, Nations League A games. Right, they had a, a few uh, a few friendlies in June uh, that were cancelled. They were supposed to play Iran and Panama, um, uh, but those games got cancelled for some reason. Yeah, there was a bit of um, a player strike based about pay and, and World Cup bonuses. Um, Iran, there were other reasons, a bit of controversy about playing Iran. But um, yeah, anyways, it all got sorted and uh, left them you know, free to play in their uh, Nations League games uh, later in June. Right. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, let's take a look at the World Cup schedule before we move to part three. So it couldn't really be a more difficult start for Canada as they face Belgium. Um, and then they play Croatia and finish against Morocco in their three games. All right. Okay, well, let's move on to part three. Uh... All right, okay. Uh, let's move on to part three. And that's going to begin with a, a summary of each team. And so we'll begin with a summary of Belgium. And that's kind of a, a quick overview of their history and then uh, a comment on their form coming into this cup. So. Let's begin with Belgium. Belgium has had an impressive history of qualification for the World Cup. Uh, they were there for the first three uh, World Cups and after a flat period where they qualified for only two World Cups between 1950 and 1978, they went on to qualify for six in a row. That period from 1982 to 2002 saw not only their first trip past the group stage, uh, but uh, five out of six times peaking with a third-place finish in 1986. Incredible, then, that none of this reflected in their Euro Cup play. Two impressive results, uh, third place in 1972 and second place in 1980, took place during that period of World Cup drought and only two uh, group stage appearances during their strong World Cup period, uh, which we just mentioned. 
Um, the two fell into line from 2006 onward, though, beginning with a non-qualification for either cup until two four, 2014, and then a new generation taking them consistently past the group stage, but even then viewed as not having yielded their full potential. From 2014, they have reached the quarterfinals in three cups, um, but came closer to their potential in the 2018 World Cup, where they finished third. Their potential is best seen in their FIFA rankings, where as a result of strong qualifications, they have been they were first since 2018 and in the top two uh, from 2015 with some dips along the way. ELO ratings um, are more sage and have them in the top five from 2018, sometimes ranked first. Uh, this, if not familiarity with their squad, uh, does explain why even third place does not fully um, satisfy them. The strong generation is not yet aged out, although new talent is coming in, but the vanguard of players like Kevin De Bruyne has only one or two tournaments to, to fully justify those world rankings. Uh, in fact, recent form, especially in 2022 and 23 Nations League play, uh, does show a bit of a drop in their renowned consistency. All right. Well, moving on to Croatia. Uh, in terms of uh, their history, Croatia was a new name in World Cup soccer from 1996, but far from a new presence. They played a role in Yugoslavia's long history, and given their success as an independent country compared to the other teams that made up Yugoslavia, uh, it was more like the 20% credit, uh, it was likely more than the 20% credited them by FIFA. I'm talking about their role in Yugoslavia's uh, history there. Uh, Yugoslavia's success was intermittent, featuring high highs and low lows. They finished twice in the top four in World Cup competition and twice in second place in Euro competition, but otherwise only reached half of the cups in both tournaments. Their history as a country that included Croatia ended in 1962, and 1976 had been Yugoslavia's last strong performance. But Croatia, as an independent country, jumped quickly into action, earning third place in the 1998 World Cup. Uh, but they too resumed uh, a pattern of intermittent success. Though they reached most cups, aided no doubt by both cups having been expanded to allow more teams, the quarterfinals became their best finish in Euro Cups, while they didn't even pass the group stage of World Cups after 1998, until, as is their wont, they surprised again with a second-place finish in 2018. Yeah, neither Yugoslavia nor Croatia have had a sustained period of success. The 1960s is the closest they've come, but even that period contained failures to qualify for both Cups. Their second-place finish at the 2018 World Cup then is another of their sudden flashes of strength. It was preceded actually by a group stage finish in the previous World Cup and a round of 16 finish in the Euro Cup. And it was followed by that same result, a round of 16 finish in Euro 2020. There is little reason to think they will be a top team going forward. And in fact, the generation that achieved second place in 2020 was aging out at the time. Uh, most of the key players close to or in their 30s. Having said that, they have gone through some renewal and have been consistent in 2022 World Cup qualifying and in the 2022-23 Nations League, so Croatia are still a force to be reckoned with. Now that's right. Okay, well, moving on to Morocco. 
1976 African Cup title win does not coincide with their good results in the World Cup. Uh, their impressive 1986 World Cup campaign, where they went undefeated in the group stage to reach the round of 16, roughly coincides with two fourth-place finishes in a row in 1986 and 1988 in the African Cup. That has to be considered their peak, although we have seen fourth place, especially as host, is not really that much of an achievement. Their two World Cup qualifications in 1994 and 1998 do not correlate with African Cups either, uh, or do not correlate with African Cups, showing uh, uh, as they failed to qualify for two of the three uh, African Cups in that period. And other than second place in the 2004 African Cups, their results were flat from 2000. Group stage finishes in the African Cup and no World Cup qualifications. By 2014, they had even grown further from the World Cup and they were disqualified from the 2015 African Cup, having failed uh, to reach uh, the African Cup in 2010. However, 2017 marked an upturn in their results. They passed the group stage of the African Cup for the first time since 2004 and then did so for the next three cups. They qualified for the World Cup in 2018 and again in 2022. In the 2018 World Cup and 2021 African Cup, their performances deserve better results and they enter the future uh, with a talented squad. Yeah, so long story short, uh, they really seem to be entering into a good period here, hey? Absolutely, yeah, I would totally agree with that. Right, well, we could say the same of Canada. Uh, Canada's first campaign for the 1958 World Cup was, uh, uh, was where they withdrew. Uh, sorry, their first campaign was in 1958, but they withdrew in 1962 and did not enter in 1966. They also didn't enter the regional cup until 1973, but they fairly quickly entered a strong period in the CONCACAF championship, at least, from 1977, culminating in a title win in 1985, which qualified, for them, uh, which qualified them for their only World Cup in 1986. They remained quite flat after that until another good, if short, period with the title win in the regional tournament, now known as the Gold Cup, and a third-place finish in the following edition. From there, they passed the group stage about half the time in the Gold Cup, but never threatened to reach the World Cup, falling to, uh, sorry, failing to reach the final group stage every time from 2002. It should be noted that as undeserving as they were, to receive an automatic qualification along with USA and Mexico for the Gold Cups, it probably did them more harm than good in that the lack of competitive play gave them little preparation for the Gold Cups and for the World Cup qualifying campaigns. The creation of the CONCACAF Nations League in 2019 solves this problem for them and uh, we've seen that it's benefited them already. Yeah, they finally have some uh, competitive games to play outside of, you know, tournament finals. Mm -hmm. After three failures to pass the group stage of the Gold Cup from 2011 to 15, they did so in 2017 uh, with the seeds of a squad that promised a brighter future. They reached the quarterfinals there and in 2019 where a lapse against Haiti prevented them from doing better. 
Uh, the creation of the CONCACAF Nations League also provided the whetstone they'd always been missing to sharpen their squad. Success there, including their first win over the United States in 38 years, and a semi-final finish in the 2021 Gold Cup was greatly encouraging. But even that success did not predict finishing first in the qualifying for the 2022 World Cup. With the squad still young and highly motivated, uh, Canada has a promising few years ahead. Let's hope so, hey? Yeah, I, I think it'd be difficult to argue with the quality of young players uh, they have and what they've achieved so far, must be said. Yeah, that's right. Well, we'll get into the discussion soon, but we're going to take a look at the uh, rankings uh, for our four teams here. Yeah, beginning with Belgium, the pot one team, they're currently ranked second by FIFA and fourth in ELO. And as we kind of alluded to, they haven't really been out of the top five in either system since uh December 2018, and were actually first in the FIFA rankings for much of that time. They really were, and it's such a turnaround from, uh, um, you know, they were in a weak period before 2014, I guess. In June 2012, they were ranked 54th in FIFA and 43rd in ELO, and uh, it was even lower than that in 2007. Yeah, definitely. They've, they've risen quickly, but they managed to stay there. Yeah. All right. How about Cro uh, sorry, Croatia next? Yeah, the Pot 2 team. They were 16th in FIFA and 15th in ELO at the time of the draw. Um, they they did, of course, spike after their, uh, their World Cup um, second place finish in 2018, particularly rising in, in FIFA where they rose to fourth. Um, though they have they haven't reached the top ten in in Elo uh, during that same time, right? And uh, you know we saw Yugoslavia and them both are kind of uh, intermittently successful. So uh, uh, 2018 was a was a big success, but they've dropped quite a bit uh, since then. And we can kind of see that throughout their history. They come into the top ten and have dropped down to as low as thirtieth, uh, and they've gone through that that pattern. Uh, a couple of times, even since uh, the turn of the millennium. Yeah, kind of um, conversely, actually, Morocco seen a slow and steady rise uh, in their rankings. Uh, the pot three team was 22nd in FIFA, or is 22nd in FIFA and 24th in ELO. Um, and like I said, slow and steady rises from the 70s in both systems uh, in December 2015. Yeah, that's uh, that's well put. And, and um they were a bit higher uh, around 2010, but uh, uh, from that time, uh, uh, from from uh, about 2012, it's been uh, steadily rising. And then Canada, the, the pot four team, are 43rd in FIFA and 29th in ELO. So actually a bit of discrepancy there. Um, and uh, again, for Canada, this marks a, a pretty significant rise. They were 117th in the FIFA rankings in December 2016, so six oh. years ago, and 78th in ELO. Um, so, yeah, up to 43rd and 29th now. And they saw kind of a particularly sharp rise during that World Cup qualifying campaign, where, as you mentioned, um, they took four points off both Mexico and the United States. That's right, yeah. And really, 2016 does seem to be uh, the turnaround year because the the their Gold Cup in, in 2017 offered a little bit of promise and they've just been getting better uh, since there. 
Okay, well, let's take a look at the head-to-head. -head. There's actually not that much to look at here because the teams haven't met that often, Connor. Yeah, um, so we'll start with Belgium, Croatia. They've met six times and have an even 2-2-2 two, two, and two record. Yeah, that's right. And uh, they met in 2002 and 2004, but more significantly met in 2014. That was after Belgium kind of entered their strong generation. And uh, in that one, Belgium uh, bested them, uh, actually winning 2-1 away and tying 1-1 at home. Um, but both of them went on to qualify for the Cup. Yeah, and then Belgium has met Morocco once. That was in the 1994 World Cup. How did that game go? Uh, that was in the USA, and Belgium won one nothing. but they were both very different teams back then. Yeah. And then there's no other head-to-head -head record to speak of. Um, Belgium have never met Canada. Uh, Canada actually hasn't met Croatia or Morocco either. And Croatia and Morocco have never played. Um, of course, Canada not having much of a World Cup history and Croatia being a relatively new country, uh, partly to explain that. Yeah, but that's uh, one of the reasons why it's kind of hard to compare uh, teams from, from different regions, which, which actually factors into our discussion quite a bit. But before we get into that, we're going to take a look at the odds that odds makers are giving them, not to encourage betting here, but just to see uh, just to see how this group of people is looking at this group. Yeah, in terms of odds to get out of the group, Belgium have a 90.6% chance, so heavily favoured. Uh, Croatia comes second at a 64.3% odds to make it out of the group. And then Morocco edges Canada. Morocco about 31% likely to get out of the group and Canada 27%. All right. Well, let's begin our discussion uh, um, with that. No, let's begin our discussion with the World Cup schedule because I think a couple of times we've forgotten to talk about it. So uh, is there anything significant you see uh, in the World Cup schedule in terms of who plays who when? Well, I think the biggest phenomenon that we, we sometimes see is is a strong team, if they happen to win their first two games and are guaranteed passage, they may sometimes field a weakened team in their third game. Um, so in that regard, um, you know, playing the big team last when it's perhaps a less meaningful game for them can be an advantage. And uh, that advantage goes to um, Croatia here, as they're the team that plays uh, Belgium in, in their final game. So do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. And I, and I actually think it makes the group a bit more interesting. I mean, the way the group is supposed to go, according to the rankings and the odds, is uh, Belgium first, Croatia second. So it's kind of good that they play at the end. Uh, as a Canadian fan, I would be upset, for example, if uh, Belgium won their first two games and were playing Morocco in the last game and fielding a B team. So uh, in that sense, I'm kind of glad that it's, it's going to come down to um, Canada and Morocco if either of them have a chance uh, to pass rather than one of those teams getting an, a bit of an advantage. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. And I think it's fascinating that Canada and Morocco play each other in the last game. And um, partly because I think they'll have something to play for. Um, you know, I think what, what we've talked about is Croatia you know, or a team that have these sharp peaks and, and, and sometimes steep valleys. But, you know, it's, it's well known that they're an aging team, you know, coming off their best and really unlikely to surprise, I would say, as they did in 2018. And I think their Euro, Euro Cup, where they went out in the round of 16, kind of shows that. 
Um, whereas Morocco and Canada are kind of unknown because their team's on the rise. Yeah. Um, Morocco were, of course, in the last World Cup and performed admirably despite their single point. But Canada are are an unknown team. But I think both teams are on the rise. So I think, um, you know, some of the history that we often draw on on these teams, especially historically, kind of goes a little bit out the window um, in this group because I think, you know, looking at it um, in terms of trends, um, you know, Croatia are perhaps on a slightly downward trend and Morocco and Canada on an upward trend. Yeah. And I, and I actually see those three teams being quite competitive. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, uh, I think what you're alluding to here is a, lo- a lot of uh, maybe um, uh, people superficially looking at this would say, oh, well, that last game with Croatia and Belgium, that's going to be a battle for first place. And the game with Canada and Morocco is going to be a battle for third place. And yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to turn out that way because I think, uh, as you do, that Croatia uh, are more likely to uh, be in a battle with the bottom two teams than they are to be challenging for Belgium. Yeah, I agree. And that that's partly just because, based on the strength of Belgium. I mean, they are the number one or two team in the world over the past several years. They don't always put it together in the later stages, but in terms of qualification and group stages, they're a very consistent team. Um, so I think Belgium will win this group and finish first place um, without too yeah. much difficulty. I do too. I mean, I even disagree with those odds of uh, 90.6 uh, to advance from the group because, I mean, I would be utterly shocked if Belgium were to finish third in this group and not advance. I, I agree. I, I think it's an understatement. Um, well, if you think that's an understatement, uh, the odds that uh, we didn't talk about have Belgium, uh, uh, the odds to win the group have Belgium at 65.5% or 66%. Uh, I was shocked when I saw that. Yeah, I I mean, I think Belgium are, are capable of dropping points to any one of these three teams. Uh-huh. But I think if they do that once, that'll be a surprise. And, um, you know, finishing with... I don't really see them finishing with less than seven points, which would be enough to win the group, you know. Well, if you look back at their last, uh, if their last, uh, here's an interesting one. If you look back at their recent qualifications uh, and group stages put together, they have tied two games away. That's why they're number uh, one or two in the world. It isn't because of their finishes in major tournaments. It's because of their uh, crushing consistency and if we compare that with um, uh, if we compare that with uh, Croatia, uh, Croatia dropped points to six of the nine teams they faced in their last two qualification campaigns. So if that doesn't open the door, you, you mentioned Azerbaijan, they even tied. If that doesn't kind of open the door a little bit for Morocco and Canada, um, I don't know what does. But but the door is fairly closed. Uh, against Belgium. So I think uh, any of these three teams would be doing really well to get anything off of Belgium. Yeah, I agree. Another thing you alluded to was was the, the kind of interesting prospect of teams that haven't, you know, Croatia, Morocco, Canada haven't, you know, met each other before, but how that will kind of compare the strength of their qualifying regions. Um, you know, Canada and Morocco both did very well to qualify, but certainly from a weaker you know, from historically weaker regions. And even, you know, one could argue that Mexico and the U.S. are not as strong as they have been in the past. 
Um, so how do you see the um, kind of that playing out in terms of the different regions? I think it's a really interesting point, uh, a really interesting point to bring up. And just in, in terms of Morocco and Canada, I think it could work to their advantage. There's still a bit of Eurocentrism, uh, you know, still a bit of Eurocentrism where people will say, oh, yeah, OK, well, they did well in Africa or they did well in CONCACAF. But, uh, you know, that that doesn't put them anywhere near the level of a European team. I mean, there is some truth to that. Uh, but on the other hand, um, you know, Asian teams and African teams have been doing better. Uh, and even, you know, USA in 2002 have been, you know, becoming more competitive in cups. But I think there's still that uh, feeling that um, that these regions are weak and are therefore no threat. So uh, I think Morocco and Canada are a threat uh, just in terms of their squads. I mean, most of Morocco, uh, most of Morocco's team plays in in Europe or for top African teams anyway. Uh, so I don't think that really exists anymore. How about you? Yeah, I, I think it's a fascinating dynamic. I mean, this will be the, kind of the one opportunity you get to compare the regions. Um, and I agree, Morocco and Canada and Croatia, they all have world-class players. You know, Croatia isn't the only one. I mean, I think you have Luka Modric on Croatia, but then on, on Morocco and Canada, you look at players like Akram Hafi, uh, Hakimi or Ashraf Hakimi and, and Alfonso Davies on Canada. There's, there's star players on every one of these teams. Um, and right, they, they deserve some respect because they have players performing well, both Morocco and Canada, in, uh, in really top leagues in Europe. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think if you put Morocco's team uh, in terms of club affiliations up against uh, Croatia's, I think it would turn out to be pretty close because I think both Croatia and Morocco uh, have players, you know, a few players playing for, for top-level teams and uh, quite a few players playing for, say, second-tier teams, maybe lower in the premiership um, uh, something like that. And and Canada is starting to get those players, though uh, not as much uh, as yeah. Morocco and, and Croatia. But yeah, I don't think there's that much between them. And on top of that, Morocco is a younger squad. Yeah, I, I think the odds of Croatia at 64%, you know, fully double Morocco and Canada is, is far too generous. But I think Canada and Morocco won't mind being underestimated. Um, they have been in other tournaments, and uh, it has worked out kind of to their advantage then. And I think people will not necessarily learn from kind of the past mistakes of underestimating them. I think they'll probably be underestimated, but that, you know, that could be an advantage. Um, maybe not quite enough to take a point off Belgium, but possible for that very reason. I think so too. You know, I, for, for example, I, I, I think one thing, uh, <laughs> one thing, um, you know, Canada will come into the cup and all the talk will be about Alfonso Davies. So these teams will say, oh, you know, Alfonso Davies, he plays for Bayern Munich. We'd better keep an eye on him and, and maybe devote too much resources. I think Canada could exploit that because through most of their qualifying, Alfonso Davies wasn't even playing. We were happy to have him on the team. But in retrospect, 
it may may look like a good maybe a good thing that he wasn't because they learned to play without him and if other teams are focusing too much attention on him you know maybe that could be a strategy that he soaks up attention while other good canadian players kind of get on with that you know get on with the game yeah. i think that's quite possible yeah i think this is one of the most fascinating groups because of the competitiveness of really the top three and four teams, Morocco and Canada with the top two. And I think it's it's you're going to have some interesting clash of styles. You have a Croatia team that's older and very experienced and wily um, with a lot of know-how, especially having got to the finals, versus kind of youthful enthusiasm and hard running that Morocco and Canada will provide. So I think it'll be very interesting to see how that style and that those kind of strengths compare to the strength of Croatia which is more on that kind of experience and, and quality and know-how, but not necessarily with the um, with some of the running and energy that Morocco and Canada will, will offer. So I think they'll be very fascinating games to watch. Uh, I'm particularly interested. I mean, I wonder if we're being too biased uh, towards Canada uh, here, but I, I do wonder if, if Canada may be uh, Belgium's biggest challenge, uh, not only in kind of taking it for granted that they're going to win, but Canada is a team kind of like Wales, where they're better than the sum of their parts. You know, they might look at Canada and say, "Oh, you know, there's only a couple of team, a couple of players playing for big teams, no problem." Uh, and yet, it'll be Canada's teamsmanship, uh, kind of like Wales, that that could pose a problem for Belgium. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a good comparison. And Canada and Wales, um, you know, other than Qatar, they're the, the two teams that have the longest World Cup drought coming into this um, World Cup. But they're, they're here because of the strength of their team. Despite some of the star, individual star talent, it's really about the strength of the team. So I think that's a great point. And, and I think with Morocco, too, I think you could make that point. It should be mentioned that um, Hakim Ziyech, who's kind of one of their better-known names, hasn't been involved with Morocco um, due to disagreement with the coaches over their previous campaigns. They have a new coach, and he's looking likely to be involved. So even for Morocco, like Canada, they, they got here kind of not relying on a star, you know, who was often absent, but but on the strength of their team. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, that's uh, still up in the air. Haladovic was... Uh was uh, fired from Morocco in August, and they haven't played a game since then. But I'm sure Moroccos are, are uh, very anxious for Hakim Ziyech to be chosen, and who knows, that may have even been uh, what the disagreement was about. There's another player uh, who recently got a move to Bayern Munich, and he's not he hasn't been a big player uh, on the team. Well, partly because he wasn't chosen, also because of a, a dispute with... Uh, uh, with the former manager, Halidovic. So um, uh, that's positive. On the other hand, uh, I'm not sure that firing a manager just as you're going into a cup uh, uh, is the most stabilizing influence. So, um, and, and then if, if, if Hakim Zayac and, and that other player come in, uh, it may disrupt the team. Uh, you know, Morocco even despite the African Cup and the recent games they've played, are fairly undecided on their starting lineup. So I'm hoping that will work in Canada's favour, that they they will need a couple of games to kind of uh, to kind of pull their team together and find their best team. Whereas I'm pretty sure Canada, uh, you know, is is further down the road in in in, de in defining their best team. 
Yeah, and I do just want to make another comment on Croatia. I mean, we've been disparaging them a little bit, but not we don't want to do it too much. I mean, they are an aging team, but there has been some progress in team renewal um, in terms of some younger players coming in. Um, you know, it's a little bit hard what to expect coming off such a high in 2018, but they have a lot of good players, and it's not that their golden generation is passed. You know, they may still have one one strong good good tournament left in them still. And again, there's a lot of know-how and experience in this Croatian team, and maybe that will will serve them well against uh, more inexperienced teams who, who will kind of have to, especially Canada, kind of, you know, come to terms with the fact that they actually are competing in a World Cup against really top competition now. Yeah, I agree with you, and I, I worry too that we've given the impression that we're kind of writing Croatia off. Uh, I still think that they're probably the second favorite team. The yeah. odds we looked at had uh, Belgium at 91%. I would say closer to 95 uh, They had Croatia at 64 and Morocco at 30 with Canada just behind Morocco. I would say uh, Croatia is still is about 5% ahead of Morocco. Uh, um, you know, maybe there's 5% kind of... Uh, among those three groups, but 30% is too much. But I still consider Croatia uh, the second favourite. Yeah, it's just interesting, obviously, to focus a bit more on Morocco and Canada because they're younger teams and they're going to they're gonna offer something different than what they have in the past, I think. Um, and, yeah, and, they're both coming in with a, with a really exciting team. Yeah, so there, there is a lot to say about them, but yeah, it's not too... Uh, um, take away anything from Croatia, who are a very good team. But I think they're vulnerable, and I think that's the point we want to stress here because people might think that they're not, that it's a it's a battle for the top two. And I think you and I don't see it that way. We see them being vulnerable um, to both Morocco and Canada from behind. Yeah, well, you wouldn't blame that that kind of, uh, you know, superficial look at them uh, saying, oh, my goodness, there's, you know, Belgium, who's ranked number one by FIFA, Croatia, who's coming off a, a final, a World Cup final, and then uh, two teams that don't often make it to the World Cup, uh, uh, of course. But that's, you know, that's part of the reason we enjoy doing these podcasts, because when you, when you dig into the details, um, it's a little more complex than that. Yeah. All right, Connor. Well, uh, I've had enough of, of your delays and I'm looking for your uh, final prediction on this group. Give it to me straight. Okay, Belgium to win the group. I, I've, I've struggled so much in my head between the, the other three. I'm going to go safe and say Croatia um, and perhaps looking at the advantage of maybe getting something out of Belgium in the final game. And then I'm going to say Canada ahead of Morocco. Um, but it's a real toss-up um, between those three. But um, I'll, I'll show some bias by putting Canada to, to finish third. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I actually, uh, I know you said it during the thing, but uh, the significance of it didn't register for me when you said it. Uh, I, I think what you were saying is Croatia may have an advantage if Belgium beat Morocco and Canada in the third game and then Belgium fields a, a, a third-place team, or a B team, I should say. Is that what you were getting at? Yeah, that that's the... It's so hard to separate these teams, but if there's any advantage, I, I see that. Yeah, um, well, so. in that case, I'm really hopeful that... Uh, uh, well, of course, Canada uh, can maybe pull off a draw with them, or Morocco, if need be. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how things play out. 
Uh, I'm also in my head. Uh, uh, in my head, I go with the um, with the pot pot placements here: Belgium first, Croatia, uh, by an edge, second. I got to give it to Morocco because the quality of their team and uh, a, a good performance by Canada, but finishing uh, fourth. But um, my heart says. Well, my heart says Canada first, but kind of my heart, uh, together with a little bit ahead, says Belgium first. Uh, I am actually thinking Morocco second, Croatia third, and Canada fourth. As much as I want Canada to do well, um, <laughs> I, I said it was with my heart. Okay, I'm going to say with my heart, uh, Belgium, Morocco, Canada, Croatia. All right. And how? Because it is my heart. I'm going to put Canada second there. Well, that's what we'll both be hoping for and cheering <laughs> for. But um, yeah. Okay, but I'm going to say my official prediction is actually Belgium, Morocco, Croatia, Canada. All right. All right. Well, that uh, <laughs> that brings us to the end of the podcast. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, those who are unfamiliar with our podcast might want to keep listening for some information. Um, about further listening. If you're turning off now, goodbye, and we hope you'll turn into tune into our next podcast in the series. All right, good talking to you, Connor. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, uh, further listening. We've done nine different series of podcasts if you're interested in a deeper dive. Uh, some of the information may be dated, but some of the histories focus on different aspects of the team histories, so it can help you to get to know teams more intimately. Yes, as mentioned, this is our 10th series, and we have done at least one series on every region except Oceania. We have files for that region too, and we'll do one down the road so as not to leave them out. But let's go region by region. Uh, right, so Europe, our first series was a group-by-group -group podcast on the teams of Euro 2020. Uh, that was played in the summer of 2021. And uh, for South America, we also did a group-by-group -group podcast on the teams in Copa America 2021. For North America, we have done three series on CONCACAF. The first was a group-by-group -group podcast on the teams in the 2021 Gold Cup. That included a look at Qatar. The second was a preview of the eight teams in the final round of World Cup CONCACAF qualifying. That came with our first player series where we went team-by-team -team through the players. The third was an update halfway through that qualification. Yes, and for uh, Asia, we did a group-by-group -group podcast on the 12 teams in the final round of World Cup qualifying, and that included a deep dive into each team's World Cup qualifying history. We have done three series on African teams. The first was a group-by-group -group podcast on the 24 teams in the 2021 African Cup, played in early 2022. The second, done around the same time, was a team-by-team -team series on the players for each of those teams. Third and finally, we have recently concluded a series on almost all teams in Africa, a group-by-group -group examination of the 12 qualifying groups for the 2023 African Cup. This included a deep dive into their African Cup history, which was quite extensive. This provides a look into some of the lesser teams that rarely even qualify for the African Cup. Right, and we realize that not everyone is interested in the level of detail that we go into. So starting from that series, the 2023 African Cup series, uh, we're editing our media, media casts into shorter versions. 
uh, generally for groups and teams this will just be a summary uh, a summary uh, and discussion segments of the longer podcasts and for the player uh, the player ones just the sections on the squad's overall strength and a list of the uh, main players that we expect to reach the competition so uh, that's usually two or three groups per episode Yes, otherwise each long version of the series contains a deep dive into the matter at hand. So if it's African Cup qualification, for example, it's a deep dive into the team's history of African Cup qualification. Or if it's the World Cup qualification, a deep dive into each team's history in qualifying for the World Cup. Right, and all of those podcasts can be found in our library at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. That's soccerfiles with a PH in the middle and an S at the end. And uh, we also provide a link to our website and other relevant material in the show notes for each uh, media cast. And in general, uh, to find us, you can type Soccer Files Canada into Google, and uh, it's easy to find your way from there. Or just check out the show notes for this or any of our media casts, and it'll be easy to navigate uh, from there. Okay, see you in our future media casts.